Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. All right, I got some good news. The more I think about it, I don't know if it's good news. It's different news. I have an idea. An idea hit me in the plane. So tomorrow night's all night prayer. We're going to do the service and then have all night prayer. If you've never done all night prayer before, uh, what it is, is it's prayer for all night. So I didn't want the name to throw you off. So we don't play light worship music and sit and journal. We pray for all night. And then, you know, it's funny when you talk about fasting and prayer, there's no way to say the Bible doesn't teach to pray. And then people get a little tripped up on the fasting thing. But when you think about it, prayer, you kind of have to fast to pray. I don't think Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration praying with a Subway sandwich in one hand. You know, when you're praying, you're not eating. It's very hard to pray with food in your mouth. I'm sure Americans can figure out a way to do it, but I, I didn't say it's impossible. It's just difficult. If they could turn the lights up a little bit in the house, because it's getting too romantic in here. I don't want to fall in love with anybody in the congregation. Um, there, a little bit. Oh, nice. So am I, on, am I on in Pittsburgh? Oh, that's awesome. Good to see you, Pittsburgh. Today it was 26 degrees, and the difference between 26 and 6 is huge, believe it or not. You know Kofi and I? Kofi's going to get a crown in heaven, because to go from West Africa where it's a balmy 81, to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where he came with me in February. It was minus 35 without wind chill. He was the angriest looking man I've ever seen in his life. And then, I don't know if you remember, it went from, during that week, it went from minus 35 to 30 plus, like 30 above zero. We were walking around without jackets on because it was a 65 degree swing. So anyway, it, it was cold there. And then come down here, it's sunny in 61. Great to be back in Texas. Amen. It's like the Lord will only punish you for so long down here. You have a light affliction, but then in the Northeast, you have heavy Job-like affliction. So uh, anyway, tomorrow night, we'll do the service, and then we're doing all-night prayer. So you pray, which is a sacrifice. When I thought about when we did all-night prayer the, uh, the first year we started the church, that was the first time I had ever done all-night prayer. I might have done it one time. Maybe I'd done it before early in my ministry when I was, when I was starting out. And uh, it's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing. I'll stay up here then. It, 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 you're sacrificing your sleep. You know, everything's a seed. So don't think of anything as punishment. But it is a seed, and it's a serious seed. And I noticed different results in our meetings right after we finished. So here's the idea I got. And the idea I got, I briefly saw my friend, uh, Dr. Jesse Duplantis and his wife, Dr. Kathy Duplantis. We're, I was flying in to the airport they were flying out of. So we met briefly in the lobby and then uh, talked for about 10 minutes and, and, and went our separate ways. But I told him my idea that I got on the plane. I'm going to start leading prayer in Pittsburgh, and then I'm going to finish leading prayer down here. So... I, I thought that was a cool idea to do the same service in two different cities on the same night. So, so Kofi will get you started here, and then I'll be Mariano Rivera and come out of the bullpen for the eighth and ninth inning to finish it up. And it'll be a, it'll be a blessed night. You know, another thing that this stuff does, it's like doing 21 days of fasting and prayer. The next time you go to do a three-day, it's not that difficult anymore. And then like all night prayer, if you, if you train, you know, the Bible does say train yourself to be godly. You don't do, I would do that if I feel led. You'll never feel led. And when you feel led to go to the gym. But then when you train yourself to be godly and exercise the prayer muscle, everything's a muscle. There was a time, the first time, I don't know what this pastor was thinking, but he booked me to do a week of meetings. I was 19 in Bible college. He said, would you like to come preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday through Friday night? I got to Wednesday night, and I didn't know. I felt like I had preached the whole Bible. I did salvation Sunday morning. I did the soon return of, of uh, Christ Sunday night. I did victory over sin Monday, and I did healing Tuesday. And I thought, what else is there? And so I started uh, digging around the scripture and found out there, is, there are more things in there. 
And uh, it seemed like an eternity. If somebody booked me on Sunday and Wednesday, I felt like I was there like nine months. And then now to do 21 days, even I was telling uh, Abraham and, and Pastor Kofi, last year, if you remember when we did 21 days of prayer and fasting, I set out to do all 21 days myself. And it's not that I got tired or anything, but I just started having other guys come in to preach. And now I've never felt anything. And, and the, the fasting, it's like you get into a rhythm. So the thing, to have that in your tool bag that you can pray for eight hours if you need to, then the next time you go to pray for 20 minutes, it's nothing to, to pray in tongues. And then everything starts seeing easier. So tomorrow night, you're going to get a major benefit out of that thing. Amen. It's going to be a powerful night. I believe it'll have an effect in the nation. I wouldn't be surprised if we broke prayer and on Monday or Tuesday, some kind of big news broke in the positive direction in the United States, because it matters to have people praying and being spiritual and exercising their spirits uh, in prayer. People are, Americans are great people. Canadians are great people. There's, all these people send me pictures and video of how they're driving. Somebody just sent me a video. I'm driving to your church in Pittsburgh from Canada right now. You know, it's like Pittsburgh has not good weather. Canada is essentially uninhabitable. And they're, they're driving from, from there down. I feel like people have really been sold short by leadership generally. You know, people don't pray. No, people are driving six hours, seven hours flying to pray. There's people, do you know how many messages I got today of, from people saying they're, gonna, they're, they're flying in to pray? Three. But the point is that there are people, there are people doing it. There's, and there'll be a bunch of people that come in. It was funny. We thought people would leave when we did all night prayer the first time. It actually grew. People started coming in, not lunatics. We still have security there. Two in the morning, three in the morning, people coming in to pray. And uh, I, I do see a, a very high level of spiritual hunger in America and Canada. And I, I, I'm in a room full. That's why these me meetings have been so blessed. This is a room full of people that aren't here under obligation or have their parole officer sit next to them to appease the court. How many of you came hungry and thirsty for the best that God has? Praise God. Well, this week is encounter, encountering and encounters with the anointing. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to open them to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, the first chapter. Verse 1. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father... And the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Once more, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who, who needs a blessing tonight? No. Everybody say, I have been blessed. That is a massive revelation. I'm not trying to get something I don't have. I'm accessing something I already have. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because this, is, this might be the most loaded verse in the whole Bible. Because all of it, 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 you know, if you've watched my ministry for any period of time, how many times have I tried to shoot through Ephesians 1 and hit this like a concrete barrier and never get past it? How do you get past this? I'm still trying. This is attempt number whatever. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing there is because we're one with Christ Jesus. Everybody say one with Christ Jesus. So anything you can't say about him, you can't say about me. And anything that you uh, would say about him, I have the potential to have you say that about me. How I many know none of us are perfect? Would you say that Jesus isn't perfect? No. He's perfect. Well, the Bible says you're one with him. So it says in uh, 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 Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, by this one offering, speaking of the blood of Jesus, he has perfected forever those whom he has made holy. 
That's redemption. The blood of Jesus has turned me into a new creature. For some reason, they have substituted, you know, whether they say it outright or not, a sinner saved by grace mentality for what you're going to hear from the Bible, the Pauline revelation of who a believer is. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm not imperfect. I was those things, but I'm not who I used to be. I've been changed into the image of Jesus Christ, and he has perfected forever by that one offering those whom he has made holy. If you're thankful for that, can you give the Lord a great hand clap here in the auditorium? I feel like the meat went out of the sound when I came down. Ephesians 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Here it is right here. This is the Bible. These people put the Bible on such a high pedestal. Yes. So you know who else puts the word on a high pedestal? God. He honors his word above his name. And God, you don't need a, a, a degree. If anything, theologians will mess it up for you. You can, read, you can teach this to a fourth grader, third grader, second grader. It says it, it means what it says. You have been made. How many know we're all sinners? No, it says the exact opposite. He made us holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, this week, the focus is on the anointing. You're not going to operate in the anointing. If you see yourself as a sinner who misses God every day, you can fast all you want. The fasting and prayer has to be an accoutrement to a word, knowledge, and understanding you have that I am, I have been made one with Christ. That's what the Bible says. Do we have the ability to put scripture on the screen or not? It's no big deal if we don't. You can say no. No. I love an outright no. I'd rather have that than let me check. I like the no. So... Put a marker there, and if somebody has a King James Bible, let me see 1 John 4.17. Pittsburgh 2. 1 John 4.17. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Hey, thanks, Brother Greg. 1 John 4.17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. <laughs> so you forget you're in Texas till you hear the strength of the amens on things that are controversial in all other 49 states. They, it is, it's a different, it's, it's a nation. It's its own place. Texas is a blessed place. Amen. And I'm, I'm pleased, I'm pleased for the privilege that God called me here to, to pour my little life out into this place that's worth pouring it out to. Amen. With people that's worth pouring it out to. God's not finished with this state. God's going to see, God's going to shake Texas with his power one more time. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. Second part of the scripture. As he, who's the he in the sentence? Jesus. As Jesus. Now it very easily could say, as he was bleeding and sad and lowly. It doesn't say as he was. It says as he is. Well, where is Jesus right now? He's not on the cross. He's off the cross. He died and rose again and then ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God and he's glorified. If you want to see how Jesus is, you read Roman, uh, Revelation 1. He'll say, behold, I saw one who was bleeding and sad and who was crying over the state of the church. Behold, I saw one appear before me and I fell as one dead at his feet. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like bronze refined in the furnace. He wore a white robe with a gold sash across his chest, and a two-edged sword proceeded from his mouth, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And I fell at his feet as one dead. But he picked me up and stood me back up and said, I am the living one who died. But look now, I am alive and I live forevermore. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Can you say amen? Now, that's great. That's great to know. But then to add to that, as he is in that state, so are we in this world. Those things are true. You can't do anything to make them less true. You can't do anything to make it more true. It's true. But you walking in that, my people, Hosea 4, 6, 
king, kingpin scripture. My people are destroyed for a lack of what? So if they tell you, you're a sinner, the, literally the opposite of everything you just read, and everybody just rattle it off. Just like it says, ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. But no, what do you hear the, instead? Uh, how many know sometimes God says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. That's not a scripture. You made that up. So then they do it in, in the realm of what a believer is too. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who by repentance has turned their back on their evil deeds, then has been washed in the blood of Jesus. The old sinner is no longer alive in the spirit. Now, I'm speaking uh, in the spirit. This is not a crusade. We're not holding this meeting as an outreach. We're not in a stadium. We're not reaching the lost. I was teaching this morning. Somebody saw that lady say, preach Jesus. No, I'm not. I'm teaching. The Bible says to go on further and become mature in our understanding. People should just preach the gospel. No. What happens once you get saved? There's further understanding and teaching so you can grow up and become mature and raise up an army in Fort Worth, Texas who knows their God, who has become strong and does exploits in his name. Say it out loud. As he is, so am I in this world. Boy, you sound, you sound like an army. Say that. I'm telling you, many churches, you could have 2,500 people and not have the strength of what's in this crowd right now. There is enough firepower in this room to run the devil's sorry rear end straight back out of Texas. You're coming out of this time of fasting and prayer. Wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, you're going to be on land that God's given to you. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. The anointing is the manifest presence and power of the Holy Ghost and is anchored in the word. It is impossible to let that understanding explode in your spirit and not begin to walk in a measure of the anointing. Now, I can't read that and go backstage before it's time for me to preach and go, oh, Lord, please anoint me. Oh, Lord, I present, hide me behind the cross. May they not see me but you. As he is, he is the head. I am the body. There's no him and me. We've been made one with Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not who I used to be. You know, I have Jonathan Shuttlesworth written on my driver's license because I'm not going to go into a 90-minute explanation of the revelation of in Christ to, my, to the lady at the DMV. What's your name? Well... It used to be Jonathan Shuttlesworth. But hallelujah, one day at an old-fashioned altar night. So I just tell him my name. Get my license so I can spend more time with my family and get about the work of the Lord. But on the inside, I'm not a part of the Polish community. I'm not, I'm not a Pennsylvanian sharing Pennsylvania problems. I have been, I got transferred out of that life and transferred into a divine life. Can you say amen? It's no longer, is, that, is this the only place that's in the Bible? It's no longer I that liveth. Now, at least I get to quote this, and you've heard it before, and everybody knows it's in the Bible. But can you imagine being the Apostle Paul and having to tell people this for the first time? You sound completely insane. It's no, think of this. So you've heard it rattled off so much, it doesn't, doesn't bother you, which is good. But can you imagine hearing a preacher come for the first time and say, just so everyone knows, I actually don't live anymore. It's no longer I that lives. I'm dead. Maybe let's go to another church next Sunday. It's no longer I that liveth. So then why am I not dead? Christ liveth where? In me. By a mystery of the spirit, Jesus, I remember that, you know, it's funny, Paul said, make sure, take care that no man beguile you from the simplicity of the gospel. So they actually teach you right when you're like five and six and seven in Sunday school. They told you, Jesus lives in your heart. Then you're 10, 11, 14. He doesn't really live in your heart. Is that true? Because the more I read, they had it right when I was four and five. 
Jesus is seated next to the Father in heaven. But by a divine mystery, he lives on the inside of me. Now you think of that. Not, not whipped Jesus, not crucified Jesus, the resurrected Revelation 1 Jesus who's alive. And as he is, so am I. Not in the world to come. And as he is, one day you'll be as him in heaven. No. And as he is, 1 John 4, 17, so are we in this world. When you get saved, you look the same in the mirror, but you're not the same. The change took place on the inside and on the inside. Though you're in this shell, this earth suit, this is not who you are. You're not your emotions and your feelings and your flesh. There is a spirit on the inside of you. There is a conquering spirit, a powerful spirit, a healing spirit, a spirit that sets the captives free. You have that now. Say it so the devil can hear you. As he is. So am I in this world. And then how many scriptures branch off of that? I could do why? Who? He's on. What does it say in the Amplified? Gives me strength. And then there's like something in brackets. Infuses strength. Uh, it might be Amplified Classic. Infuses strength into my inner being. He's in me. How can I? <laughs> now, Paul that wrote that. What happened if you beat him and threw him in prison? He starts praying and singing praises to God, and suddenly there's a earthquake. How, har how harsh was the earthquake? The chains of every prisoner fell off. Not his. His and every person in the prison fell off, and every prison door was open. And he didn't run. Now's our chance. Let's run. He wasn't afraid of anything. Uh, the, the, the jailer. Now, my Uncle Ted preached this, and I never thought of it before. He said the jailer drew his sword to kill himself because the Roman Empire was not real big on like civil rights and stuff. If you were in charge of keeping prisoners and they got away, then, then it's your life for their life. So the, the jailer drew his sword to kill himself and Paul called out, don't kill yourself, we're all here. Now think of the anointing that you have every chain fall off of prisoners and all the prison doors come open and nobody moves. Don't kill yourself, we're all here. What's the next verse say? The jailer called for a light. It was pitch black. How did Paul know he was drawing a sword to kill himself? He didn't see him. He wasn't even in the same room with him. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Operation of the, of the, gift of the gifts of the Spirit. And then he called him in. Paul led him to Christ and then led his whole family to Christ. That's the, how? By the revelation that Christ lives in me. You want to know why we fast and pray? What's the hindrance to the manifestation of Christ operating through you? The flesh. If there's no flesh, there'd be no reason to fast or eat, period. Be like heaven. But you have a flesh. That's why even Jesus, who is Jesus, fasted and prayed. Somebody wrote that when I was teaching. Did you see it? Somebody wrote in the comments, like angry. Show me in the Bible where anyone fasted and prayed. Are you serious? How about I send you a phonics book? <laughs> then just do the, do the work for yourself. Yeah, Jesus, before he began his ministry, he fasted. Why? Because the flesh profits nothing. One. Number two, not the flesh disagrees with the spirit. The flesh warreth against the spirit. <laughs> not like, well, I'd rather you not pray. If you think the flesh doesn't war against the spirit, wait till it's time to come to all night prayer tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to hear that you have a dual nature. I don't want to pray. <laughs> I want to stay home. So it's not the devil you're battling. Three or four people, depending on how you read the scripture, three, maybe four people ever dealt with Satan directly. And so what you deal with is a flesh that's hostile to the things of the spirit. I don't want to pray. I don't want to fast. You know, we knew the 21-day fast was coming up. You're ready for it. You probably felt like me. I've eaten a lot between now and uh, Christmas and Christmas and New Year's, I actually, it, it got to a point, I was really looking forward to fasting because it was like, even if I opened up Uber Eats, I, I was done eating. I've eaten, I've eaten everything. I don't want to eat anymore. I'm ready to fast. And uh, then the January 2nd comes. You're like, good, I'm glad. I'm ready to fast 21 days. Then 1 p.m. rolls around and you have a harsh change of mind. 
you know what? Maybe those guys that say we don't need to fast are on to something. I mean, <laughs> around 1.30 p.m. I mean, no, it's not about works, amen? Because you have a flesh that, that warreth against the spirit. Jesus had a flesh. See, that's, that, that was actually one of the first um, heresies that was taught in the early church was that Gnosticism, that Jesus, though he looked like a man, the reason he was able to do what he did is he actually didn't leave any footprints. He was a ghost. That's what they taught because they thought, no, there's no explanation for a man being able to do what he did unless he was all spirit. He was actually all God and no flesh, but it's, it's, it's a heresy. He was 100% man and 100% God. He put on flesh. And so because even Jesus... See, when you read Christ, if you believe that other way, then it's just, you're just reading about like, uh, I mean, I was going to say like Michael Jordan playing basketball, but it's not even that because he is a human being. You're reading about like a Marvel character or a superhero. It's like, oh yeah, Superman can fly. I can't. I'm, I'm not Superman. But Jesus was <laughs> role modeling how you can live. Now think of this. The first Adam was created that way. He lost it through sin. What does the Bible call Christ? the second or the last Adam, who came to undo what Adam did. By one man's disobedience, all men serve sin, but by one man's obedience, then they all came back in, into the dominion that Adam lost. Can you say amen? And so he didn't do it in the, in the spirit. He did it in the flesh by the spirit. He conquered his flesh. The Bible says he was tempted in all points as we are, yet he never sinned. Hallelujah. So when you read Christ, the power that he had to live a sinless life. Question, did Jesus, by his divine nature that was alive on the inside of him and the, 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 the uh, power of the Holy Ghost, did that cause him to sin much less where he was barely sinning at all? And yes, he still did miss it sometimes. And yes, you know, he sinned even when he didn't know it because he was in a human body. No. Anybody that taught that, there needs to be a giant cane that comes out from the, the stage and hook him, and then the music. It's over. That's, that's false doctrine. No. Did Jesus please his father? Did he please his father some of the time or all the time? Yes, he did. Is he displeasing him now in heaven? No. Did, did he walk in complete dominion over the devil all the time? Do you know why you can't, you will never catch me at a generational curses thing? Did Jesus have a generational curse? Does Jesus have one now? As he is, so am. How many of you know we all have curses that we don't know about? No, I don't have a curse. I had a curse, but I've exchanged the curse for a blessing. You had a curse. There were all kinds of wicked things in your family. But thank God that old man is dead and a new you has been raised up to life together with Christ, seated with Christ as he is. Hallelujah. Want to hear something crazy? I was driving to church on a Sunday night when I was 22. It was before I was married. And I was studying this uh, from John G. Lake's writings. And it was like heavy on my spirit. Like, this is powerful. And then as I was driving, I got this feeling that the pastor who had never done this before, it was a new pastor, I didn't know him. I had just come back from Bible college. They had changed pastors. And uh, I thought, this just came to me. I thought, if he, if he asked me to greet the crowd, I'm going to let it rip, which I don't do. You see me at Pastor Rodney's, give the mic right back to him. I teach that to our Bible college. But that night, I thought to myself, if this guy asked me to greet the crowd, I'm going to, I'm going to preach what I'm preaching to you. Right? I, I don't mean like I'm going to like sit him down. I'm going to tell the crowd what's in my spirit. That must have been the Holy Ghost preparing me. Sure enough, I'm sitting two-thirds of the way in the back. And he goes, I see Tiff's son, Jonathan, is home from Bible college. Jonathan, would you like to just come up and say a few words? I said, I would. And I got up and started telling this. And as I was telling it, a guy stood up and raised his hand. I'm thinking he's going to like shout, you know, that's not true. He went, I'm totally deaf in my ear. And as you're telling this, my ear came open. 
So the, pa- the pastor like just motioned, like, like, like just do the service, and I did it. That, this revelation, you probably won't ever hear me preach it on a Sunday morning. People, remember Paul said, I came and you desired, uh, desired to give you meat, but you were only ready for milk. People aren't ready for this kind of thing. But this deep into a fast, and you're still coming, day 17, whatever it is, I'm going to tell you what I know. I'm going to tell you what my Uncle Ted knows. I'm going to tell you what guys know that operate like you see them. Well, how does he do that? I'm going to tell you one, one way you see those guys operate like that is they know this revelation. This is John G. Lake said it, when he found this in the Bible, it was over. He went, to, he went to South Africa and started 1,100 churches in five years. In the 19, what, 1905? Then when he came home from South Africa, he went to Spokane, Washington, and it was declared by the government agency that preceded the CDC, the healthiest city in America. He had healing rooms, and if you were battling terminal illness, you came and stayed in those rooms. He assigned his Bible college students to pray for those people. There were other ministers that came out of that Bible school that carried it. I'm telling you, if you want to live a life of defeat and ups and downs, then have the opposite understanding. I'm just a human. We all have... Elevate the human side. The Bible does not elevate the human side for the believer. The flesh is under the subjection of the spirit. I am not my flesh. I am what God made me on the inside. If you believe it, can you say amen? Amen. So the battle is the, the flesh. Now all this is true. But the flesh wants to usurp the spirit. Galatians chapter 3. Why, oh ye foolish Galatians, why after starting in the spirit, are you now finishing in the flesh? You see a lot of people do that ministry. It's one of the reasons why I do a 21 day fast is to make sure I don't, I was talking to Adonis about it uh, right before we, we came here when I was getting ready. Uh, you know, you have to put a guard on yourself. Paul said, I, Paul, who wrote all this? I keep a close watch on myself, what I teach, and how I live. I told you what Bishop Dagg said to that one pastor who always is teaching on success principles. He said to him, when you were growing up in church, what kind of messages did you hear? He's all oh, they were always talking about consecration and missions and prayer and fasting and, and the, the fire of God. And he said, then how come I only hear you tell people about success principles? He said, you are depriving them of what actually made you, you. And I thank God, as much as you hear me make jokes about it and stuff, getting raised in a Pentecostal holiness background where they didn't believe in prosperity and all that, which is wrong. But it set a foundation for me where my foundation isn't using Bible principles to get a Corvette. It set something in me with a hunger for the lost and an understanding of heaven and kingdom reward, and the power of the Holy Ghost. And then 2004, 2005, when I started to come into the teaching, that, oh, no, that power is not just going to work in heaven or to win souls. The same power that draws people to the altar causes your cup to overflow. But that's not the foundation. The foundation is what I'm teaching you tonight. I am one with Christ. If you want to tick the devil off, Get, a, get an understanding of that and stay walking in that understanding. You remember Joy Behar on The View that one time? She said, I don't mind people saying they pray to God. But then when they say he answers them back, you have a mental problem. You know what that reveals? That reveals that the devil doesn't mind. He doesn't mind you going to uh, uh, Our Lady of Ascension Catholic Church every day at noon and, and unburdening yourself. Oh God, if you hear me. He doesn't mind that. But if you start to come in where you're praying to receive an answer, oh Lord, guide my steps. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what path to take. I'll do what you want me to do. And you're expecting to hear an answer. You're expecting a reward. If somebody's sick, you're not putting your hand on their shoulder. Oh Lord, be with. You actually know I have power. We played that video that, that my daughter quickened me to find. That lady had stage four cancer. You unclean disease. I command you in Christ's name, come out. And out it went. You want to meet one of the nicest guys and best guys you'll ever meet? This is Tony Archuleta. Stand up so everybody can see you. All those crusades that you see me do on video, 
He's the one that set every one of them up. Great man. Give him a warm hand clap. And since he's here, you know, hallelujah. I remember that. Praise God. That first door that opened up in Philadelphia. Everybody say, as he is. So am I in this world. Now, if that turns you into an unapproachable jerk, then you don't know who Jesus is. When Jesus went to get baptized, what did John the Baptist say? You want me? John the Baptist said what I would say. If Jesus came to my meeting and said, I'd like you to pray for me. Uh, no. (laughs) Who am I to pray for you? What did Jesus say? No, you have to baptize me because I have to do uh, what fulfills all righteousness. He He submitted himself to John the Baptist as the son of God. He honored authority and all that. Remember Paul? Sorry, if I knew you were the high priest, I wouldn't have called you what I called you. He didn't even say anything, in my opinion. Of course, I'm not really a good litmus test for what's too far. <laughs> I had somebody write into me in the ministry. They said, I did this. Do you think that's too far? But I wouldn't really use me as a gauge. <laughs> yeah, submitted. I, I'm preaching this revelation to you. I'm under Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and I'm not under him so I can have ministry credentials for tax-exempt status. I listen to him. If he, if he, if he says something to me, I listen. I listen to Brother Jesse. I'm submitted to people. So this is not something that turns you into some maverick that has a church of 17 people that meets in your garage. This is something that causes you to flow in the body of Christ. Peter, I mean, look at Peter. Allowed himself to get called in by Paul and corrected on, on, on doctrine and things that he held. Jesus was meek. Meekness is a characteristic of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? But then when it comes to your mission... And against the devil and disease. It's, it's different. There's no, I'm trying. There's no, I'm going to pray. Let's hope God does it. There, as he is, so am I in this world. So I'll, I'll tell you some stories I haven't told in a little while. I was preaching at a church in Camden, New Jersey. At that time, Camden had the highest murder rate per capita in the United States. They've got it fixed up a little bit since then. This is 2014. And so it was, looking back on it, it was like a practice crusade because the church was putting it on. I paid for it, but it wasn't much money. And it was in Camden, and the pastor helped organize the crowd and all that. And uh, the pastor, actually, if you ever watch Flashpoint, there's a minister that's based around here. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. His name's Kenneth Copeland. (laughs) Has a small struggling ministry in in the Texas area. Have you ever seen on Flashpoint that one reporter that he has, uh, Fior Hernandez? She worked for Univision, or as white people call it, Univision, <laughs> at that time. And Univision had a, uh, had a headquarters in, in, um, around Camden in Philadelphia. So I go the first night of the crusade, and she's there with the cameras and everything. So I'm thinking they're going to like ambush interview me. I didn't know she was spirit-filled and all that. She goes, uh, hey, are you the minister that's doing the crusader? I said, I am. Can I ask you a couple of questions? I said, sure, here we go. But it wasn't. I was like, what made you decide to come to Canada? I told her how the Lord opened the doors. I told her about Pastor Israel Lugo, who's, who's hosting it, and that people need to hear Jesus. And if America's going to get turned around, it's only by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people are sick and they need healed. And, and, and with all the advancements in medical science, people have been turned down to die and, and, and need help. And a minister's called to do that. So when she shut, had the camera shut off, she said, you know, I, I really like you. You're, you're different. She said, uh, I'm going to give you my, my information, and let's stay in touch. She said, I'm probably going to come one of the nights of the meeting. She said, I, I haven't heard of anybody doing anything like this in Camden. Well, she hasn't heard of it, but Brother Shambach went to Camden all the time, and Philadelphia and Chicago, and hit all those cities. And I was feeling at that time to kind of retrace his steps. So uh, I start preaching, and then... We have a good service, and, you know, it was good. People got saved and stuff. And then uh, after night two, we get a, a, a notice. The pastor called me and said, the head of permits in Camden is giving you till 6 p.m. to disassemble your stage because it's not rated. Now, by the way, we didn't have, like, the Royal Rangers build our stage. It was a professional stage company. You know, like, a, so they said... 
Your stage is only rated for 88 miles an hour of wind. And by city code, it has to be rated to withstand 108 miles an hour of wind. Two things. There was six miles an hour of wind for the rest of the week, if you looked on the weather report. And number two, if you've ever been to Camden, New Jersey, nothing is, is built to withstand 108 miles of, of wind. Everybody say, people need the Lord. Because without the Lord, they just throw money at problems and it can't do anything. Do you know what the government's answer to the murders in Camden was? They did a study that they paid a lot of money for that if people are around aquatic life, it calms them. So they took millions of dollars and built an aquarium in Camden to lower the murder rates. But it didn't work. Believe it or not, it didn't work. Even the octopus has a gold tooth and an only God can judge me tattoo and stabs se several stingrays to death. It's not funny. Without the gospel, the country's finished. But thank God, the gospel's here. The gospel's in you. God's power's in us. And the country's far from finished in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a great hand clap in Pittsburgh. Come on. You're a solution. You, you are light in darkness. Say it one more time, as he is, as he is. So, am I. so am I in this world. So I get that thing that we have till 6 p.m. to disassemble it. And I know this will be hard for you to believe, but even back then, I'm not doing it. See, and I had heard, who you hang around matters. I knew I wasn't on bad footing. I knew Brother Shambach got arrested because he wouldn't stop his crusade. It was par for the course. I heard Dag Haywood Mills talking that, you know, you know, Dag Haywood Mills was a medical student and he just decided in medical school to start a Bible study and it ballooned and they went to shut it down. And then as they were going to shut it down, two medical students committed suicide and the president said, we're not shutting that down. People need this. The devil hates that type of church. It dislodges him from a city. You can cast the devil out of a person and you can drive the devil out of a region like Paul did in Acts 19. And I'm telling you right now, every attempt for the devil to set up shop in the Lone Star State, it's going to get its legs cut out from under it this year in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. So they called me from the city. And told me that they forwarded the call to me. And the guy said, you, I really enjoy saying this to people. He said, So it has to, you know, because they're just used to everybody complying. So it has to be taken down by 6 p.m. I said, Well, I'm not. You know where I got that from? Wyatt Earp. I try to read my Bible every day and watch at least two scenes from Tombstone. Glad you think I'm joking. I'm not. So, well, there'll be trouble. I've been in trouble before. Been in trouble a lot. I went to Christian school and was happy. I was in trouble all the time. <laughs> we will detention the happiness out of you. So, it felt good to say it at the time, but then when you hang up the phone, you think, son of a gun. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like challenging somebody to a drawn. You don't have a pistol. So I said, Lord, I could use, this is how I prayed. Lord, I could use some help here. And then as soon as I said it, the Lord gave me this, uh, a solution, not the whole thing. I remembered that reporter. And I said, I called her up because she'd given me her phone number. I said, hey, remember me from the crusade? Oh, yes. Evangelist Jonathan. Nice to meet you. God bless you. I said, God bless you too. I said, uh, she said, how's the crusade going? I said, well, that's why I was calling. I said, the head of the permit department in Camden, said I have till 6 p.m. to take the stage down and, and end the crusade because it's not rated to withstand 108 miles an hour of winds. And I'm not doing it. I said, so I don't know what you're planning on covering tonight, but at 6 o'clock, I'm probably going to get arrested. And I said, if there's no cameras there, I'll go quietly. But if you come with your cameraman, I'll make a big scene so you have a good story. And she, like, you're laughing? She started laughing. And I, so I said, I'm not joking around. I said, if you're not there, I'll just let him cuff me. And I'll go, but if you're there, I'll start screaming, discrimination! And I'll thrash around a little bit. I'll put on like a nice WWE entertainment uh, uh, show for you. She went, you're really serious, aren't you? I said, oh, yeah. I'm not taking the stage down. 
So if you want to cover it, go for it. She said, hold on. Let me call somebody. And she called the mayor. And she knew the mayor. And the new mayor was a spirit-filled Hispanic Pentecostal like her. And the mayor called the permit guy and said, if you touch that stage, you're out of office. And he said, furthermore, I want you to call the, the preacher and apologize to him for bothering him. And he called back and apologized. And you know me. I said, I'm sorry. I think the call's break, breaking up. Can you say that one more time? I'm sorry. Again, just a little louder. I'm sorry. I did it about three times until he knew I was messing with him. And I said, ah, no problem. But I did say before I hung up, I said, I told you I'm not taking it down. Oh, yeah. As he is. And they went to push him off a cliff. But he walked through and nobody dared lay a hand on him. You hear people talk about, how many of you know they killed our Lord? They didn't kill him. The Bible says he submitted himself to death. In fact, he would not answer a word to Pilate. And Pilate finally said, are you going to sit here and remain silent before me? Don't you know I have the power to take your life or to set you free? That's the only time Jesus perked up. Make no mistake about it whatsoever. You have no power over me except what my Father has given you. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And as he is... So are you in this world. Anything that's trying to take your life out, whether it's cancer or sickness, it's not going to do it. Death doesn't have power over you. You've been given dominion over death in Jesus' mighty name. Lift both hands to the Lord. That preaching without prayer will drive any disease out of your body. Be healed now in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Now just lift your hands and begin to thank God out of your mouth. Thank him in Pittsburgh. Thank him all over the world. As he is. As he is. You got a growth on your body that's concerning you? Look at it in the morning and say, did you get lost? You're in the wrong house. You're in the wrong body. I might look like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else. I've been redeemed. I've been raised with Christ and seated together with him far above. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Come on, shout amen like thunder. One more time, as he is, so am I in this world. Now lift your hands and begin to thank God for it. Thank you for the privilege to be able to walk in the frequency of the Holy Ghost as Jesus did on the earth. Thank you that we've been given that ability. Praise God. Praise God. Praise you, O Lord. Worthy is your name. Forever and ever and ever. Prendianama, Iskandianamo, Rondo Repa, Istandianamondi, Ustundianamondi, Prandianamonti, Brostondiarabati. Man, I feel the presence of God in him. Hallelujah. I feel the refreshing of the Lord. I feel the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Let's go another two minutes. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that came on the inside. I make a decision tonight to not walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. There's life in the spirit. There's peace in the spirit. There's power in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As he is, as he is, blind man healer, deaf ear unstopper, cancer destroyer. Praise God. Praise God. Stay on your feet. I'll shut down.
be back tomorrow anyway, around three in the morning, four in the morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. That crusade went on. Then at night, I, I did what I read Brother Shambach did. I went to that park where you're going to hold the meeting in Philadelphia. And I drizzled oil around the whole park and said, Father, let anybody that steps on this park. You said, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, I'll be on land that you give me. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to quote it. It's another thing when you're at a nice town, Philadelphia, at that park. There were active drug deals going on all around me. I'm not exaggerating. I, I don't exaggerate. Scroll in my Instagram and watch how much I don't exaggerate. Go, you will find meetings. I was preaching in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, and I wrote 18 in attendance, one at, at the altar. If there's 18, I don't say there was almost 50. And I don't call it packed. And one came to the altar and one came. That's why if you hear me say 897 came to the altar, it was 897. So I'm not telling you to make like a nice preacher story. I'm telling you there were many people dealing drugs and I'm there. I just finished preaching in Camden. I'm sweaty. You know, I was preaching outside in the summer. I mean, I get sweaty inside in the winter, but just trying to give myself a little credit. I got a tie loosened. I look like an off-duty detective. People are dealing drugs. They're not happy I'm there, but I've learned a lesson in life. When you speak in tongues, people give you plenty of space. So if somebody looked like they were a threat, I'd just turn the volume up. Rapatiasta. Walking around with the thing of Goya olive oil, drizzling on the field. Father, in the name of Jesus, I consecrate this as holy ground. I had, I had a couple people tell me when they, they said, where are you going? I'm going to go to nice town Philadelphia. Now? You know, because I'd preach, eat, and then go over. So it's like 1230 at night. I want to go there now. I've been drunk on this revelation for a long time now. Try, try to, try to stab me. Try to kill me. I don't think it's going to work out well. There's a verse that says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. So what weapon would you use? Every tongue that rises up against you, thou shalt condemn. Say it with me. Every tongue that rises up against you, thou shalt condemn. That thou is you. So if that permit guy called and said, we need to take it down. Well, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. The, the crusade gets shut down. You have, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. So you figure something out. Amen? Amen? Yeah. God doesn't speak through you. The Holy Spirit didn't tell me to do a crusade and then use you to tell me to shut it down. So I'm not. And I'm not trying to come up with some doctrine where we're, we're like combative with the government. But I have a permit to preach anywhere I want. Go ye, that's an order from Jesus. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So I, do, I actually have a permit already. Drizzle, drizzle the oil. People look on confused. It's funny, when you operate in the anointing, it actually like freaks out evil people. Just leave him alone. He looks nuts. And then Pastor Tony had set up the crusade in Nicetown, so that was like practice. Well, that state rep, that uh, permit director gave him a hard time, told him we had to shut it down. Then he, when he found out legally he couldn't do that because it's discrimination. Then he raises the price to $48,000. You know, that, that's the enemy making a smoke screen, but the same way the devil could never stop Jesus and the same way he could never stop Paul, which I, I'm sure that's news for some theologians. They killed Paul. Yeah, on like the 91st try. Right? How many of you know these people teach that got protection and healing and long life? But all of the apostles were martyred. Not in chapter 3. Paul didn't die until he said, I don't know what I want to do. Part of me wants to go to heaven, which would be far better for me. But I'm going to do you folks a favor and stay around here a little more to teach you. Then I'll go up. Then he wrote his last book of the Bible, 2 Timothy. I have fought, not I will fight. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race, and I have remained faithful. So that's not a bad way to go out. I'm open to it. From 91, I feel like I've done everything I want to do. I'm not opposed to going to Tehran and doing an outdoor crusade and letting nature take its course. <laughs> Miracles for Gaza crusade with no permits. Go out a hero. 
rather than Sunny Acres Rest Home. Amen. I don't care. Won't make any difference to me, but I'll do it when I'm ready to do it, just like Paul did. And Jesus, nobody takes my life from me. If you catch, if that's the only aspect of this revelation you catch tonight, you'll live a long time. No man, nothing takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly after I finish my race. Amen. How many of you feel faith coming alive in your spirit? I don't know if you remember this or not, Brother Tony, but this guy, what was that guy's name that had just got released from prison that we have the video of? The, the, the Puerto Rican guy that got healed in his back? What was that guy's name? I know it. Huh? Augustine. Somebody watches a lot of my videos. Augustine. Were you there, Sister Shauna? That's right. How long had you been a Christian for at that point? How long ago did you give your life to the Lord before that? A few months. Then she came from Texas to Philadelphia to help with the crusade. And then look, all these years later, we didn't like stay in touch or anything. But see, things are spiritual. Connected with people in the spirit. What's the chances me and Jesse Duplantis are flying into the same FBO and he's leaving? You know, you're connected. The anointing. I know I have you on your feet, so I'll wrap it up. But stay on your feet or I'll go long, like too long. That's why I'm keeping you as a reminder out of kindness to close. Everybody say, I'm connected in the spirit. See, if you don't have the anointing, you got to manipulate people. You'll need, when have you ever heard me preach a sermon in two years? You should be faithful to this house. And you're under me. If you leave this house, you'll find out how quickly the anointing of this house leaves. If I have to do that to keep a church going, I'll go become a gardener. And if you're a gardener, I'm just, I had to pick something to complete the analogy. My Uncle Ted, I told you about him watching that guy, Freddie Clark, that's an old evangelist, now in his 80s, that calls people out by first name in the gifts and watches them on YouTube. We were in Holton, Maine. If you don't know where Holton, Maine is, I've been there like 20 times and I still don't know where it is. You talk about a tiny town, it's right on the Canadian border. It's the northernmost point of Interstate 95 on the East Coast. We're at a little shop that sells pies, eating pies in this little town in Maine. And he's talking about Freddie Clark. In mid-sentence, Freddie Clark walks in and goes, Brother Ted, Holy Ghost told me you'd be here. And walked in and sat down with us and ate, connected in the spirit. Divinely connected. Amen. Praise God. So this guy, Augustine, comes on the field after I prayed, Lord, let nobody come on this field and be able to leave unchanged. He comes on the field, drunk as all get out. Then when he gets under the anointing, he does what people do that are demonized. He starts flipping out, yelling at everybody and cursing for no reason. You know, we're having a church service. Out he goes. So security ushers him off. And by his own testimony, he said, when I left the field, something happened to me. He said, I went home and couldn't sleep. And the only thing I thought of is I need to get back there. So he comes back sober the next night. He is a steel rod in his back from a car crash. Can't jump, can't run, has trouble with stairs. And as he's sitting there, he comes to the altar and at the altar starts shaking violently. And then this other guy, I think his name was Jeff from central Pennsylvania. He thought he was like, like had a demon he was like shaking but it was it was the anointing whether it dissolved the rod or whatever it did he was getting literally shaken by the power of God crying so the guy comes up behind him and touches him he starts crying because the glory of God's on and then he runs up and testifies I can dance I I can run starts jumping around telling the crowd what happened by the anointing you didn't back down you don't back down in Camden you drizzle the oil on the field you don't let the devil tell you where you can go and when you can go there. See, see the other people, it wasn't sinners telling me, don't go to Philadelphia at 1230 at night. It was crazy. You could get stabbed. You could get stabbed. I can't get stabbed. Because you believe in the doctrine of stabbing. But I believe in the doctrine of no weapon formed against me will prosper. And what you expect is what you experience. Some of us grew up in churches where every missions trip, they told the crowd to raise money. You know, we'll probably get sick. 
And they all came back with stories of sickness. As if God sends you overseas, go ye into all the world to get diarrhea. No, it's go ye into all the world to preach the gospel. In all the translations. Not some of them, all of them. So they expect sickness. They expect they're going to get overcome by the drinking water there. They expect they're going to get overcome. You know, I was preaching. Were you? Yeah. Brother Tony's here. He must be pulling it out of me. He set up a crusade for us at least once, if not twice, in Barbados. Once or twice? Twice. Twice in Barbados. Once in a church, once at Queens Park. And uh, we're preaching. And we got an email from us.gov advising us there's a travel advisory to not go to Barbados because the Zika virus is in mosquitoes. We're having an outdoor crusade. There's tons of mosquitoes. The first night, I could feel the fear of Zika. You know, people were nervous. And when I got in the anointing preaching, I said, let me tell you something. If one of those mosquitoes with Zika bites you, you're not going to get Zika. The mosquito's going to fly away singing, there's power in the blood. Can you say amen? And the people that broke the whole thing after that statement. You want to know what else? Everybody say it's the anointing. You want to know what else happened? This big Rasta man, long dreadlocks, walks up to me at when I finish this, the, the meeting and goes, Preacher! I said, yeah. He said, can I give you a hug? I guess. And he gives me a huge hug. He goes, when I heard your voice, I thought you were black. And I wanted to hear what the, the noise was. He said, I always hated white people. You know, maybe you saw that comedian Patton Oswalt. Who, who could blame him? I always hated white people. He said, and when I saw you, I got mad. And he said, but then as I stood there, it was like the anger flew away like a bird. And as much as I hated you, I loved you. And I came and got saved. That's the anointing. Break down anger. Break down everything. Break down cancer. Melt steel rods and backs. That anointing is flowing through you now. It's going to flow through you all of this year. You are going to be a carrier of God's power because as he is, so are we in this world. One more time in Pittsburgh. One more time in Fort Worth. One more time in United Arab Emirates. In India. Oh, clap your hands. All ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As he is. Is Jesus trying to get free from generational curses? You know, they had me preach at a, at a conference. I made the guy promise. I said, I'll preach your conference as long as I'm the only speaker. Not because I have to speak all, but you're, I, I know you're going to bring these other people in and we're going to be six guys in a canoe all rowing in our own direction because I don't believe like they believe. And he, he broke his promise with me. You know, there, there's going to be, there are a couple more people that I had come after I'm already there. It's in another country. I flew a long way. All right, whatever. This lady gets up telling people they got demons in their souls. And so we go to the green room after and she went, what did you think of the service? I said, I think you're nuts. And I was saying, think to be kind. She's nuts. Yeah, that took the air out of the room, but that's what I said. Because I got, I, Holy Ghost will show you who's nuts and who's worth connecting to. Brother Jesse tells that story. He told me, I met this guy that's in the ministry, introduced himself, and I, the first thing I said to him, I said, how come I don't like you? Just met him. I don't like you. Brother Hagin said it's like showering with your socks on. Something doesn't feel right. I don't like you. Something's wrong with you. And I don't know what it is, and I don't care, but I'm not getting involved with you. But then the same way you can feel that, you can feel faith in people. I like you. I perceive you're a holy man. Here it comes. What did you, Jesus wasn't using word of knowledge negative all the time. They go and bring the brother Nathaniel. Here comes a true son of Israel in whom, in whom there is no guile. How do you know me? Oh, I saw you and you were sitting under the broom tree. I perceive you're a prophet. Oh, because I told you you're under the broom tree? That's not the last thing you're going to hear from me. In fact, I'll tell you your future. You're going to see angels ascending and descending. Told him his past. Told him who he is now. Told him his future by the anointing. And as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. My Uncle Ted had an employee that got 
an offense towards him and took this lady out who's married and they drove one night after work and plotted how they were going to take my Uncle Ted's ministry down. So then they got all worked up in the car and the guy goes, I'm going to go confront him right now. Doorbell rings. He comes in. As soon as he walks in, before he, can, he points his finger at my Uncle Ted and before he can say anything, my Uncle Ted said, what were you doing driving on a dark country road with a married woman by yourself? It took all the wind out of his sails. He said, you know, you're fired, right? He said, I was in the back seat by the spirit and heard everything he said. So get your stuff and get out. You won't get blindsided much. From Matthew chapter one through the end of the book of John, how many times do you see Jesus get blindsided? How many times do you hear Jesus say, man, I had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> say it out loud as he is. So are we in this world. I like how Jesus always knew what to do. Master, this whole crowd needs fed. Tell them to sit down in groups of 50 and 100, and I'll be with them shortly. That means you can always, because you're joined with him, God will always give you a plan and a way out. Just like he gave me with Fior. And you know Fior? She's still in my phone. You know, th then I go on a Flashpoint, and she's the, she's the one that's interviewing me. Hey, I remember you from Kansas. See, it's the Spirit. You get, you get in the Holy Ghost. You're going to meet this year. You're going to meet the right people. And you're going to meet lots of them. And you're going to meet them all the time. People you think you're meeting once, they're going to come back again. And you're going to realize the Lord is connecting you to a divine family that's all over the earth. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Clap your hands one more time. I feel good. I feel good in here. You can tell. You're going to have a great year. I said you're going to have a great year. Would you please do me a favor? Keep that mentality with you the whole year. You know why I didn't shut my meeting down in Camden? I can't picture Jesus saying, okay, sorry. We thought it was ready for that. Um, let me just, we'll take it down. Maybe we'll have it later. I can't, get, I can't picture reading that. I picture Jesus. See, that's why you need to know him by the word. Um, King Herod said that he doesn't like uh, your ministry and he's getting kind of upset about it. Go and tell that fox I'll keep casting out devils, healing the sick and preaching to the poor until my time's up. Is that what he said or not? That's right. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.